is from Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to be starting in verse 3 and reading to 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. To the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ may be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praises of his glory. Pray with me. My tongue, O God, is deceitful. My flesh, O Lord, is weak. And like my and like the hymn, I long to wander, to leave the one I love. Bring me back to you, O God through the Holy Spirit. Bring me back to you, O God, through your holy and perfect words. That you may speak these words. That you may bless the saints here assembled and push me out of the way. There's a lot here in this first chapter, just in these few verses alone. um, I mean, really, you you probably have a six-month series here just from 3 to 13. It's just, there's so much there. And so it was difficult for me to try to pick just one thing. So I picked the thing that I've been contemplating the most. And I can remember when I started contemplating it. I joined this reform group not too long ago. Um, this, so this group, um, 
supports other Reformed believers. They share prayer requests and praises. Most of the time what ends up happening is people end up sharing quotes from uh, Spurgeon and R.C. Sproul. Nothing ever gets accomplished. <clears throat> but that's providential, of course. So well, one day, there was this one guy who wrote out his thoughts about Noah's Ark and shared it with the group. Now, he said nothing that I didn't already know or realize. And none of his points were really groundbreaking. But his passion was intense and very evident. And the one thing he said that did get my thoughts to stirring, here's what he said, and I'm quoting. I've always thought that Noah was safe inside the ark because he was obedient to God and built it according to God's specifications. I thought that perhaps it was the strength of the gopher wood and the soundness of the architecture that ensured the waters of the flood would not penetrate the ark. But today, he continued, I encountered a verse that shifted this whole paradigm. Genesis 7:16 says, and he's still talking, the animals going in were male and female of every living thing as God had commanded. Noah. Then God shut the door. And then he, this was his epiphany. They were safe because God shut the door, not Noah. And I thought to myself, I heard this in fourth grade Sunday school. I get it. But how is it that you're just now figuring this out was the thoughts that was going through my head. And then my thoughts shifted to predestination. And how is it that God saves us and not ourselves, like Noah? And then my ADD nature exploded. And I spent all night reading and studying about the relationship between God's grace and predestination, which led me to watching the sun come up, contemplating the difference between superlapsarianism and infralapsarianism. You don't have to know what that is. And then I realized, this guy's on to something. Naturally, it's all connected, and it's beautifully and perfectly connected, that no human could ever formulate such a thing. And in my own study, I found that several versions of the Bible actually use the phrase, and the Lord sealed him in. And then it dawned on me that this guy who brought to the table fourth grade Sunday stool scuff deeply humbled me with the gospel. It's not the fact that you wear your seatbelt when you drive that keeps you alive in a crash. It's not locking your door at night that keeps you safe, nor the good deeds that keep the enemy at bay, nor the good decisions that give you blessings. It's the incredible grace of God lavished upon you. It's the fact that you were sealed by the promise of the Holy Spirit. That's your only protection, and it's the only protection that you need. What are we being protected from? 
we still get cancer. We still face trials of many kinds. We still get bad news and face disappointments. Our hearts still get broken. We still live in a world as strangers treated as such. Thousands of people were beating down Noah's door. The storm still came and rocked the, rocked, rocked the boat. Life wasn't perfect on the ark. It was survival mode. The smell of all the animals in an enclosed environment, cleaning up after them. But though God sealing them in made them protected, life still had its struggles. And so what exactly does this seal protect us from? What are we sheltered from? Revelation chapter 7 says this. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, that no wind might blow on the earth or sea or against any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending and rising of the sun with the seal of the living God. And he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their forehead. There's a side note here. I hope it doesn't break the flow too bad, but it's worth mentioning. This verse completes a cycle to a verse in Ezekiel, which we'll read soon. And as this cycle is completed with God's wrath on sinner in the world in Noah's day, to God's wrath on sinners, the end of days. So what are we protected from? We are protected from the same thing that Noah was protected from and the future believers in Revelation are protected from. God's wrath. In scripture, there are two things used to purify, water and fire. And God purified the earth the first time by using water. And the second time, he'll use fire. Verse 13, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. But what does that mean to be sealed with the Holy Spirit? Paul tells us he chose us in him before the foundations of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his real will. So that if you are in Christ, even though you are wrapped in sinful flesh, your soul, who you are, is holy and blameless. Not because of some decision that you made. Not because of something you did. But because of the seal and the promise of God wrapped around you.
before the Holy Spirit can be in us, we must first be in Christ. It says he chose us in him, not after Jesus died, not when we were born or did an altar call, but before the very creation of the earth itself, we were set apart as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, through the promise of the Holy Spirit. Before you existed, before the world started spinning, before the first day of creation, you were his. And you always will be. Sealed by the Holy Spirit himself. The Bible uses the word sealed in a few different ways. And when you consider it all together, they help us provide a full picture of what Paul is writing here in Ephesians. One of the ways that sealed is used is actually a type of branding, as one would use on cattle. The mark was placed on the heads of animals, not on their sides. And in some cases, as in Revelation and in Ezekiel chapter 9, and the Lord said to him, pass through the city through Jerusalem and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan over all the sin and abominations that are committed in Jerusalem. And to the others, he said in my hearing, pass through the city after him and strike them down. Your eye shall not spare and you shall show no pity. Kill old men outright, young men and maidens, little children and women, but do not touch the one on whom is the mark sealed by me. The seal on the head protected those who hate sin from the world of God's wrath. Romans 4.11. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believed without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. Before Revelation... There's only one seal that is broken. Can you guess what it is? We celebrate it every Easter. Jesus' tomb was sealed with a large stone. And in Revelation, there are seven seals. And as the tomb... Only Jesus breaks the seals. And all seven of those seals are signs of coming judgment. To all this together, we see that the scriptures, we see that in the scriptures, that a seal, it communicates ownership and protection and a validation of a relationship. 
and the broken seal denotes shame and guilt and judgment. Here in Ephesians 1, the seal is not a what, it's a who. The Holy Spirit is our seal. No circumcision, not a mark on the forehead or a brand. Our seal is a member of the Holy Trinity given to us before he created the world. There is no seal as strong and as unbreakable as the one that is wrapped around your soul. Here's what John Piper says. The Holy Spirit is the Christian seal. He seals his people. God's own spirit comes to indwell or take up residence in the believer. And I think the nuances from the above apply here. The promised Holy Spirit identifies God's people as his inheritance. And the experience of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life is proof to them and demonstrates to others the genuineness of their faith. The Holy Spirit provides the inward assurance that they belong to God and not themselves or the world because they are God's children. Let's keep reading. In Ephesians, and you'll see that the seal of the Holy Spirit does far more than seal us. The Holy Spirit convicts us to repentance. It gives us understanding and wisdom. But it is also an outlet of joy and peace and faith that does walk us through the cancer. That does heal the heartbreaks. that's disappointed with us when we face disappointments. And struggles. And the struggles of life, we know, did not compare to the struggle of the one who seals us. Verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. There is perhaps no more hopeful words that you will hear today than that this seal wraps you so tight and will unite the things in him of heaven and earth. There will come a day when you will realize the promise of your seal. And before the throne of God, you will fall face down in humble fear. And with tears in your eyes, the pains and the illnesses and the heartbreaks and the struggles of your life are but a shadow in God's glory. And the hands that created you from the, before the foundations of the world will pick you up, 
hold your face gently and wipe away all of your tears. Praise be to God. In him, we have obtained an inheritance. Having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Wake up, sinner, and see that your salvation before you on these pages burning a hole in your soul. This is the gospel. This is the truth that we live and die for. You can't miss this incredible glory blazing from these pages. It's your eternity right here. And by giving us the Holy Spirit, God seals us. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us, authenticating the reality of this relationship by making us more like Jesus. The promise keeper protects us from wrath and lavishes with grace and love that even while we curse him as an enemy with our lust and our greed, that through the trials of life, we are his. Through the valley of death, We are his through the torture and sicknesses. We are his through the heartbreak and loss. We are his signed, sealed, and delivered. The covenant is alive and is living in us, sealing us for an eternity of glory where pain is no more. We see in verse 6, the grace of God is the summit of his glory. His goal is not just the praise of his glory. It is the praise of his, of, it is the praise of the glory of his grace. The constellation of his holiness that makes up the glory of God reaches its most beautiful overflow in the expression of grace for undeserving sinners like us. That while we lusted, that while we gambled our pearls to swine, in humble conviction of our sin, realize the promise of the Holy Spirit not only seals us, but makes us his. We find where we belong. We find a home after being lost in the darkness of our selfishness. And we as orphans, abandoned and alone and afraid, find a father who sought us, who sought us out by his grace, who came in the loneliness and the darkness and was abandoned 
through his glory that we are adopted so that we are his and his alone. The seal cannot be broken because the promise is perfect and the promise keeper is holy. The summit of God's glory is his grace sealed around your wounded and weary heart. And when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sealed the spirit of his son into our hearts. And we cry out, calling him Abba. Heavenly Father, let your Holy Scripture sink deep in us to break our, the chains that bind us, to bring us up from the grave, that we no longer look at ourselves as mere mortals, but as heirs to the kingdom. as people that will never die because of the seal that you have placed around us. Thank you for being our Father and thank you for your almighty promise. Amen.